Hello, world. This episode of the podcast is all about making money. Brian Aponte is a major player in Florida real estate. He also owns millions of dollars worth of collectible trading cards, which he's constantly buying and selling every single day. I met Brian at a restaurant the other day, and he must have done 10 deals on the phone within the hour I was there with him. It's truly amazing the way his mind works, and I immediately knew I had to get him on the podcast to get a better understanding of his perspective on real estate, money, and investing. Please enjoy this invigorating episode with Brian Aponte. What's up, Brian? Not much, brother. How Bro, are you? Good. It was great to meet you the other day, man. Thank you for coming and doing this. Oh, it's a pleasure. This is going to be fun. You got it. Tell me for people for people out there listening. Tell, give me like a like a brief little background on like who you are, where you came from, and what you do. Like, what are you all about? So basically, little, I was talk uh, get a little yeah, bit no closer. Yeah. So basically, I'm from Jersey originally. Yeah, Perth Danboy, real close to uh, Elizabeth Newark around that area. And what I do is I just buy and sell anything but mostly uh real estate vintage cards baseball cards stuff like that jewelry watches well, anything that has a liquid value so growing up i was born in 1970 my uncle used to own hardware stores liquor stores so i was always brought up in the grind you know what i mean yeah because in reality there's really no money in school and back in those days Back in '76, Carter was the president. We had a, you know, we had a gasoline shortage. You know, um, the interest rates were like twenty percent. So the only way to make money was to have cash, just like today. But the world's changed a little bit. But so the buying and selling game is where the money's at. So mm. that being said, I moved out here in nineteen. Um, I would say like nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety. I had to get out of Jersey because it was just nothing but trouble. So when I came here, my first job actually was um, I was a custodian at a high school in Brandon, making $6 an hour, walking seven, eight miles a day to go to work. It was my favorite time of my life, the grind. So then I bought a little flea market booth in Sefner, Florida, baseball cards from this lady for $2,000. Within two, three months, you know, just kept stacking my bread. Had about twenty, thirty thousand. I went to Tampa. I bought a little baseball card shop in uh, Fiesta Plaza. Then I started hitting the country, going to the big shows, buying, selling. I've always been a big sports fan. And then in the meantime, you know, I would only work maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, do the grind. And then you know, I meet people, buy their collections, just buy out their tables. And then one thing led to another, and then you just deal with different businesses: jewelry stores, pawn shops. Um, furniture, bail bonds, real estate. And real estate's a good hustle because it has a lot of zeros at the end. So if you buy something, let's say you buy a pair of sneakers for 500 bucks and you sell them for 800 Sounds cool. You're only making $300. What are you going to do with $300? Right. You buy a house for 100000 you flip it for a buck thirty. you just made 30 Gs. So the bottom line is to make money, you just got to be well-versed, well-rounded, and you got to be able to pull that trigger immediately. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Because in any game, nobody wants to deal with a procrastinator. It's either you're in or you're out. There's really no in between. Bro, when I first met you, I think it was like yesterday, it was two days ago, I think. Mm -hmm. You reminded me instantly of like, you had, you were like just Tony Soprano to me. Like you were, you're, you're so much energy. You hustle, your hands are in so many different things, so many different types of businesses. You have sneaker stores scattered throughout the state. You have this, a warehouse full of trading cards. Like how, how much money worth of trading like baseball cards and basketball cards do you have so let's get back to the beginning where your question like the like the sneaker store yeah that belongs to a friend of mine and i was like involved in the beginning and i still am a little involved it's it's a slower pace fast paced game let me tell you what i mean by that then we'll get to the cards it's a hustle it's a grind and you're making 50 60 a pair you got to push a lot of pairs you got to do a lot of work you got to pay high rents and you know it's just a it's a good game for somebody who's looking to make a million a year you know what i mean mm. i still work with the same people but the trading card the baseball cards this is that's a hustle i like but to answer your question the value of what i have several million but i constantly buy and sell every day uh the baseball card game is something that's really come up a lot cuz it's um it's an asset without a paper trail, and everybody's interested in it. Like I was telling you, it's sort of like artwork, but on a different level because everybody knows about sports and everybody wants to get involved. What's the number one most valuable card that you own? You know, I own some PSA Jordan 10 rookie cards. You know, they were bringing like seven fifty to 800000 You know, they've cooled off a little bit to about four to 500000 basically because, you know, it's a new asset class that that the smart money's coming into but you know i have 1988 flare basketball i probably have 800 graded packs you know the tens are three four thousand each um but i have a lot of different stuff you know from mickey mantle to ty cobb to babe ruth to jordan you know i don't really do much with the newer stuff because they're very volatile and i'm not interested in losing money sorry to interrupt but this episode of the podcast is brought to you by 
our sponsor, Ridge Wallet. For years, society has been shoving dumbass, awkward, bulgy George Costanza wallets down our throats, carrying around old receipts, pictures of their cats, and gift cards from 1999. Well, hold on to your hot dogs, folks. This fucking thing holds like 12 credit cards and even has room for your cash in the back. You can get a clip, or they got like they make like a strap that goes on the back, which is really dope. And this thing is so goddamn rugged, it comes with a lifetime warranty. Ridge Wallet is so confident that you'll like their shit. They'll let you test drive it for 45 days and give you a full refund if you can't handle it. Don't be one of those fuckboys carrying around a big leather sack of potatoes in their back pocket. Get 10% off today with free worldwide shipping and returns by going to ridge.com slash concrete. That's ridge.com slash K-O-N-C-R-E-T-E and use the code concrete at checkout. Please don't be a fucking nerd. Get a Ridge wallet today. And you do all these transactions on eBay with the cards? Yeah, we'll me? buy collections. You know, a guy will call me up, hey, I got this collection, 1957 Topps baseball set. Just use that as an example. So we look at what they have. Okay, cool. We just add it up, figure it out, and just buy it from them. Mm-hmm. Then we get the cards graded. We'll just, you know, whatever we do with it. You know, you just crack the collections down. That's what I did for numerous years. I used to travel the country. You know, spend a few thousand, buy, you know, 100,000 here, 200,000 there, get some graded, wholesale some, retail. It's just a fast-paced business. How do you have time to balance all the real estate you're doing and the and trading, buying and selling cards every day? Because you're, like, constantly doing this all the time. How do you find the time? Well, when you look at real estate, it's a fast pace, but it's really not. And you just have to use your mind. You have to take your mind in different avenues. It's like when, like, let me give you an example. New construction. You already know what you're getting into because you already know what the product's worth after before you even build it. If a house is selling for three hundred a foot and you're building for a hundred a foot, your val- your profits based on what you pay for the dirt minus your expenditures, and then at the same time you're constantly looking for different avenues to make money. Like you know, I've used car lots. I mean, that's a dead business, but you know, there's some money there. Um, anything that makes money and it doesn't ha- take swallow a lot of my time that I could pawn off to one of my people in my camp, we'll figure it out. Because there's always some way where and when to make money. But in the real estate, I like real estate because everybody's your client. Your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your cousin, your neighbor. Because everybody lives somewhere. Every, everybody, it's a necessity, a luxury. It's, um, it's an avenue to just make a lot of money, especially in today's day and age. Because the rental income is very high. And we're in a market that's growing and the interest rates are low. What kind of real estate do you own? Well, you know, we own um, commercial real estate, trailer parks, single-family homes, multiple-family. But when I own them, to be honest with you, I did a bad job because I don't like to own much. I like to buy and sell it immediately. Mm. You know, I've probably bought a few thousand houses in Tampa alone. My thing is get it under contract and, and call one of my members and my team to dump it immediately. 90% of the stuff I bought, I bought it in one day and sold it the same day. But the ones, the stuff what? I do, yeah. That's insane. Uh, not really. Think about it logically. If you're buying hundred dollar bills for ninety, how fast can you sell them? So right. because everything has a a dump price, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at an asset, you already know what it's worth based on the wholesale value. And if you're looking at the retail value, you're looking at it wrong. The money's made when you purchase it, not when you sell it. You only realize your profits as you sell. But now the game has changed because you know we live here in, in Florida, Tampa, St. Pete area. So there's a lot of people moving here with no state tax. Everybody wants to be here. And the properties have gone way up due to the fact that people from up north, 
Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Boston, and in California. They're tired of dealing with the state taxes, dealing with a lot of liberal liberalism. They just want to come here and get out of that. Yeah. And their houses are worth so much more than ours, so it's easier to it's easier for them to purchase them. Wow. But what's the most amount of houses you bought at one time? And it, did, didn't you tell me you bought like a shitload of houses at once, like like a couple hundred? Well, you know, I sold one guy like fifty six houses. I think in ninety days, just buy and sell in the same day. But <laughs> you know, we bought eighteen unit buildings. We've bought um, beaches on the wa- properties on the water. You name it, I bought it. Mm-hmm. The thing is, like when you say what's the most I bought at one time, obviously I think you know we could buy fifty. I think we bought thirty six houses from one guy in a deal. The way you structure it, owner finance, owner. Fi- so you always want to pay cash because it's easier to acquire. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you want to use owner finance. This way you could control the deal with the seller's money. You mm-hmm. could manipulate the product using their money. Yeah, that's another thing that you were telling me about. You don't use banks. We had, well, a, we had a long discussion about that because there's a different uh, – we were talking about another guy who I used to deal with. We won't mention his name, but he uses banks, and you were saying that – why use banks? Well, the thing with the banks, the banks are um, – they want to lend money to people who don't need money or people who are desperate because the government backs FHA. So if you work at a, at a fast food chain and you're making a tad below above poverty – they're going to lend you money because it's almost they're forced. Mm-hmm. The Dodd, you know, Frank Dodd Act and all that. Yeah. So a guy who has money and who's going to sell the property immediately and they look at your track record, they don't want to lend you money because they can't see the profit in it for them. The only way they're going to lend you money is if you leverage it and hold it for a certain amount of time as a rental asset. Right. And rentals are cool for certain people because it's it's like a fixed income, but I don't really care for the rental business. No, Even though I've owned like many rentals. Shit. Well, let me put it to you like this. Let's say you buy a property for $100,000, use round numbers, and you rent it for 1000 a month, you're bringing in $12,000 a year. By the time you pay your property manager expenses for taxes, insurance, maintenance, you might uh, net $8,000. So you're working on an eight cap. That's good for an investment company because they're borrowing at 2%, so they're 400 per- times in their money. But for a guy like me who bought the house for 100000 I could sell it for 120 in one day. So I can make 20000 I can make 20% on my money in one day when I can make 8000 in a year and deal with the headaches. Because most tenants, 90% of the time is a headache. Mm. But how do you find these buyers? So like, like when you... Say you find a house right now, you can go buy right now and sell it. Like, how do you know who you're going to sell it to? You already you just have like a, a Rolodex of people you know. You can just like I know I sell to this guy. So you know, on my phone, I probably got a couple thousand people's numbers in my phone over the years, and I know who buys what in what area, what they're paying, how they're buying it, and you know, there's a high demand for the asset. You know what I mean? So it's going to sell immediately at the right price. Let's right. take the hundred dollar bill example. For ninety eight dollars, you're going to have a line a mile long. For one hundred and one dollars, you won't have one client. So you have to know the bottom, the bottom line, the razor thin line, where to buy and where to sell at. That's where the money's made. Hmm. How do you? Uh, so, so you like I could look. You tell me Tampa, Florida, like I like in the city limits. I I know most. I'd say ninety five percent of the streets. Okay. I don't look at GPS. I already know what the house is worth before I get there. Right. Because everything is based on retail minus the expenditures minus your expenses. And most people want to make a certain amount of dollar amount, so you already know what they're going to pay before they buy it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So let's get back to the uh, let's get back to the sports shit, the baseball okay. cards. No problem. 
have you? Are you going to buy or sell any cars today? Like, is this yeah, a daily thing prob- you do? Yeah, daily. You're, 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 are you like riding the market day to day, or do you? Are there any cards, any things that you hold hold out on long term? Definitely. Like the best cards to hold are the vintage cards. Like you want to buy stuff that's going to go up in value based based on the story of the player. Like, let me give an example. Babe Ruth. He's probably the greatest baseball player ever to play the game. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of people that are looking for that card and a lot, there's more collectors than product. So the grading companies grade from a scale of one to 10. And then they have a population report of how, how many cards have been slabbed in certain grade. Like I, I buy cards now. Let's take an example for $10,000 that I sold for a thousand three years ago. Mm-hmm. So you want to buy the old cards and the newer cards, they have a lot of hype because a lot of young people who are flipping crypto and, and, and making money in the stock market, this is what they're seeing. But at the same time, when you're spending three, four $400,000 on a card of a guy who's been in the league three years, you don't really know the outcome of his career. Mm. So you're basically uh, making a bet. Like me, I don't make bets. If it's not a guarantee, I just don't want to deal with it. Right. That makes sense. You know, I get in the prop, I get in the product cheap. I try to buy as many as I can, and I, the more I buy, the more they're worth, because I'm the one that's going to drive up the price. What other kind of businesses are you in? Well, I dabble in anything that makes money. You know what I mean? If I like, look, yesterday a friend of mine hit me up. That he's a he's a realtor. He's a good friend of mine. He's actually selling a property of mine for like four million dollars, and he hit me with this Eureka coin. He said, Brian, look at this Eureka coin. It was a dollar ninety. Talk, talk, get a little bit closer to the. It mic. was a dollar ninety. You can pull it to you. Yeah, it was a dollar ninety, and I th- the last I he hit me up at about two p.m. yesterday, and the last I checked about an hour ago was at five dollars and fifty cents. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look I've never up. even Eureka. heard of Eureka Coin. Neither did I. Well, ninety nine percent of the things today I've never heard of. Yeah. See, that's why you know I jump in and out, you know, mm. and then I'll play the wave. And, you know, I'll day trade and I'll make 70, 80 transactions in an hour due to the fact that you never go broke on a profit. So if you can make your little in and out money, just do it. Right. Because I don't feel comfortable with any stock unless when you look at the balance sheet, their assets are greater than their debt. Like like Macy's stock last year, I think it dropped to like five bucks when you looked at their um, their balance sheet, their building in Manhattan alone was worth more than their stock plus their debt. So I bought a lot of that. How do you but, find their balance sheet? Well, you know, any stockbroker, anybody knows about stocks, we'll show you how to work that. It's really not that interesting, but it's a common it's common sense. You can, like, go online or something and, like, download it. Yeah, just it. talk to a stock guy. Hey, look, what do you think about this? What do you think about oh, that? okay. But, like, the stock game is really not my hustle. I just don't find any pleasure in doing, buying something that's intangible. I like to actually feel and look and smell the product. Yeah, that's what a lot of real estate guys do. They're like, "Oh, I want to drive you around and show you my buildings." You know what right, I mean? They get they get like a high off of off of like driving around and seeing like, "Look, I own this piece of land. I own this giant building." There's like something to that. Well, the reason being is because you already know the worth. You already see it. When you're dealing with stocks, you got millions of dollars riding on somebody else's knowledge or somebody else's fear. Because stocks are mostly news and fear. emotions. Yeah, it's just an emotional play. You know, I mean, it's just hard to it's hard to control that. When you when you're a guy that's been doing business and you've come from nothing, you have a lot of insecurities. And the biggest insecurity that I've noticed with the thousands of people that I've dealt with is not knowing the future. 
And when you're dealing with something that's intangible, you don't know the future. But when you look at other people who've come from money and they make it easily, they just, they don't really have fear because they don't know what bad is. You know what I mean? It's like, let me give you an example. Let's pretend that your father was worth $100 million and you lived in a sky rise and he had um, Bentley Coops and Phantoms. <laughs> and, you know, that's all you know. You go to, a, you, you're sheltered in your life. And then he throws you out in the middle of the road, gives you a million dollars here, and then you're, you're driving a... Uh, E-class bent. You think you're doing horrible. But those people have never starved. They've never ate tomato sandwiches on five-day-old bread. Right. So it's hard to respect that hustle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when when you come from nothing, you see the value of anything. Mm. You see the value of one night stay in a motel. You see the value of getting to the hotel at 6.01 a.m. so you could stay an extra day. You see value in different things. You see a value in buying, getting a, a used car license and buying a car and using it for free and reselling it at the auction next week after you, you detailed it, made 500 bucks, basically on a, on a floor plan. So you see different aspects of life. When you go to other countries and you see how people live, and then you come back and see, wow, you know what? Nobody in the United States should ever complain because you were born in greatness, because you already have a major head start. Why do you think people from other countries come here within three, four years? They own businesses, houses. Meanwhile, you have a lot of people in this country. All they want to do is cry and their net worth is negative because they don't understand what bad is. So if you once you understand what bad is, you'll realize that no matter what you're going to make it as long as you're steady. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is there any point where you can just kind of like sit back and relax and kind of stop the hustle? Do you do you fi- think that one day you're gonna be able to stop hustling and just relax and enjoy it? Or are you gonna think that's gonna be something that's? Nah, I think it's something that's embedded in my mind, in my heart, and in my blood because this is all I've ever known and this is all I've ever did. Yeah, I honestly am never happy when I take a day off because to me, taking a day off is just a waste of your mind. You know, obviously you have kids and you have your wife and you want to maintain that that level of respect and have fun, but your mind never stops. So, you know, like I go to the gym in the morning just to take a long drive, just to think about my next move. So when I get to push the weights or punch the bag, it's just basically a routine to figure out what's next. Yeah. And, you know, like I honestly love downturn markets because you actually make more money. Because when you see people's ribs showing, then they get nervous and they start dumping their assets. When you're like when you're in a um, when you're in a market as we're seeing right now, you know COVID has affected a lot of things and it's made a lot of people filthy rich that never had any money. Who has it made filthy rich? Well, when you look at when you look at the world today, you you look at these big companies who've profited off 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 of this, and you've seen little like com- companies like Amazon and internet companies. Yeah, you like know, that. just basic companies that you already know, the WalMarts, the Amazons. They're they're making money out of people's fear. Why do you think there was no toilet paper? Because they would buy, because people, the media embedded in your mind fear because that's what makes money for them. So as people fear, you see their moves and you understand a person by the moves they make when they're in fear. Mm. See, a guy like me, and I don't mean to act like I'm anybody special, but I don't fear anything except time. Because the only thing that moves, so you have to follow the you time. can't buy. Exactly. You know, well, I've, I've, we spoke on that the other day. You can't buy time. So that's got to be your most precious asset. Everything else in life is replaceable. You know, obviously human beings are not replaceable, but 
every other physical, every other thing in life that you could purchase is replaceable. Getting back to the baseball cards, that's why they have such a high value. If they're extremely rare, they're unreplaceable, so people want to buy them because it brings back a point of their childhood. It brings the ego out of them. I mean, same thing with painting, with anything. Anything that's rare has a lot of value. Yeah. Like real estate. I like real estate because they don't create new dirt. In reality, the only thing you're buying is the dirt. The actual building is just a liability because it's depreciating every single day. It's the dirt that's going up, not the building. How much How much do you fuck with cryptocurrency? You know, I've dabbled in it here and there, and I, I got lucky and I bought some. I don't really like talking about it because it bothers me that I own it because I feel like I made free money, and I, I don't really care for it. And when I talk about it, people get excited, and that bothers me because it takes credit away from me. So I'd rather just let not even talk about that. Yeah, because a lot of people listen to it love it, and it's like a... Yeah, no, most super. definitely. But if you, it's like stumbling on a diamond ring in the yeah. middle of the floor. I mean, I, I, I own some, and I've made a few dollars, but that doesn't determine who I am. It's just like, it's just like buying a car and finding, like I said, a Rolex in the in in the middle. I don't yeah. really, I don't respect anything that that um that I didn't earn. Yeah, that was just luck. What do you think about? Uh, you, what, but what do you think about the future of it? Do you think there's? Do you think potentially in the, like the next ten, maybe twenty years, it could be something that's legitimate that replaces the financial well you know I mean, system I, we have now? I'll give you my my point of view on crypto. Like Bitcoin, I think there's twenty one million bitcoins. Yeah, and I don't think there's going to be any more generated. And I think the people have value in Bitcoin a because it's manipulated very heavily, and b it's the fear of the U.S. currency. If you mm. look at this pandemic, we've already created $8 trillion of nothing. Yeah, it's insane. So I think our debt was $23 trillion previous. Now it's, they were creating another eight. So a third of our world, of, of our overall debt has in a year. In a year. Yeah, so people look at crypto as a, a hedge against whatever else they're doing. Yeah. It's just the way I look at it. Like I hedge a lot of things, but I think crypto's cool. But if they outlaw crypto where you can't use it, it'll probably take a big dip. And now the IRS is getting heavily involved. If you spend it, you got to pay taxes on it. So I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to go up as fast as people are predicting. I mean, it's hedging, it's hovering around 55 to 60,000 at its peak, even though last year around this time it was about 4,000. It might generate, you know, higher and higher and higher yields, but I mean, it's just, I own it, but I don't really care to talk about it because it doesn't make me who I am. And I, it bothers me even owning it. Well, it's just interesting. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of people, some people like will buy it and just hold it forever. Like, like me, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with it. I have a little bit of money in it and I just kind of like sit there and watch it. I said, when it dips, it dips, but I don't like, buy, I don't take money out when it gets up or buy more when it goes down or I, I do, when it goes down, I do buy more, but when it goes up. I don't I don't sell it because I'm like, well, maybe it'll keep going up. Yeah. Or maybe it's maybe it's smarter when it goes up a little bit to pull it out, Mm -hmm. all of it out. And then when it goes down, put it all back in. I don't know. Yeah. So how I play it is once it hits a certain number, I target, I sell it all. And then when it dips, I buy it back. Okay. because I've already made a lot of money just moving whatever I have. But once again, it's like a hobby for me. It's like I'm driving out of red. It's like playing fantasy football. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Sort of. But, you know, and it's a lot easier than real estate or baseball cards or used or vintage cards or diamonds or watches because you're buying and selling in seconds. Yeah. You know. For sure. 
What about NFTs? You, we talked a little bit. You know, about it's NFT. funny when we mentioned that, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty amazing how people are just buying pictures of nothing. That <laughs> I personally don't understand it. Me but neither. I, do I don't see, think anybody does. I do see the value in it because you have a lot of people today who don't know how to interact with people and they live in a box. Yeah. So they'll have a thousand Facebook friends and have like two or three real friends. Mm-hmm. And if they walk somewhere, their head is down on the floor and they don't yeah. know anyone. And the unfortunate reality is I think that's what the world's becoming. See, like I, I interact with thousands of people cause that's what I like to You're do. You're a real estate guy. That's, that's what real estate guys do though. That's true, but I don't really consider that a real estate person because I only deal with the same people every single day. Okay. And when I meet new people, I just try to throw them on one of my other guys because unless they want to sell me something. Because real estate is basically, you don't really need money to make money in real estate. What you need in real estate is either A, a buyer, or B, a, a product. So like, what I mean, let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's pretend your mother has a house that she wants to sell, right? And it's worth 500000 and it needs work. And I say, hey, um, how much you want for this house? Give me 300 So I say, look, I'm willing to pay 320 So anything under that 320 that's money you made. So if you get it for 200 you just made 120000 Whatever I sell it for is irrelevant. Second, if I have a property and say, hey, look, I want to sell this for 250 Anything over that 250 is the money that you make. So that's why it's easy to make money without money in the real estate business. You just need to have somebody in your camp that can close. You mean come up with hard money? Come up with the cash to buy because hard, hard, it's hard to make money with hard money. It's really not an option for me. What do you mean it's hard to make money with hard money? Well, hard money. Oh, you mean is like doing like hard money loans? You yeah, mean? hard money lending. But yeah, no, but getting back to that point. But what if, just, what if I don't have money and I want to do that? What if I don't have the cash, the capital to do it? And you, then you got to do a hard money like loan. Like I was right? explaining previously in a conversation, I would try to get a loan from the seller. Right, 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 right. Okay. Because if you get a loan with the seller, then you don't have to pay for appraisals. You don't have to pay points on the loan. You don't have to, you know, beg daddy who basically is the bank to help you. You I mean you're you're going to be in a positive position instead of playing behind the eight ball. Right. But what if this? I mean, a lot of sellers, a lot of people who own single family homes, they don't have that kind of that kind of money well you want to target properties that are um owned by the property owner that doesn't have any debt because remember you make money on real estate by controlling the asset owning it is just a a piece of paper a deed you get a hud you go to a title company now you own the property right but you're not going to own it that long so if you could get a lease option even if you could get if you could buy a house for three hundred thousand here's five thousand down i have a uh a recorded option that I could assign to another buyer. So you could make money controlling that asset without physically owning that asset. Like I said, real estate is... Oh, a you're key- talking, you're talking, now you're getting into options, which is more... Con- option. Can you explain, like, basic for dummies, what, a, what an option is? Well, basically, on a lease option is this. You own the house, right? And I make a lease to rent with the option to purchase it with the agreed time and the agreed price. Okay. So, and then what you put in the lease is, in the in the purchase contract, you have an assignable option to sell. So let's say you sell me your house for 200000 and then um, my buddy wants to buy it for two twenty five. So he just pays me the 25000 and he, t- he takes over the purchase. This way I made money with very little money out of my pocket. Because when you're first starting in the real estate game with limited capital... You need to acquire capital by any means necessary. Bring in other people to the table, 
you know, selling their properties for them, you know, stuff like that. Is it hard to find new deals to make money on? Or are people just blowing up your phone all day, every day? I mean, are you on the computer, like scouring websites for shit for sale? No, I never use the computer. I really? I use my phone. You never use a computer? No, never. My only, my only device I use is my telephone. And the reason being is because I have a lot of people in my camp that do certain things. And I call them and I say, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm selling. This is what I got. So new construction is the, the flavor of the year. So it's like I hired engineers and I hire people to do the work while I own the asset. Then you hire a builder. Then you hire a property manager to manage the you know project manager. So then you're just paying the draws or you're paying the city for permitting or whatever it is. I try not to get too deep inside the game because then they, they people are going to want something from you. They're going to want to take your time. They're going to want to take your money. They're going to want to pick your brain. And at the same time, that's value. So I prefer to just have somebody on deck that they could just work through me and pay them. But at this current time, to buy property is very difficult because the mar- the market is extremely hot and the assets are very rare. Yeah, it's insane. It's been getting hotter and hotter over the past year. Yeah, well, you're dealing in the number one state. You know, I think we're <clears> the third largest populated state in the country. Yeah, it's fucking bonkers. Yeah, you were telling me that we're, we got more more heads here than New York. New York. Yeah, definitely. We have like 23 million. I think they have 21. And, but New York insane. is on the decrease. You know I mean? Decline. People are going to start moving here left and right in groves. Oh, they're coming here in, in gro- droves already. Exactly. I think they're just tired of the politics. Yeah. Politics controls a lot of people's thinking. Yeah, it does, unfortunately. Um, can you walk me through one of these deals that you're talking about, these new construction deals? Like, what what do you look for? Like, obviously, you buy, it starts with buying land, and you've you got to yeah, find so some land. Yeah, so basically, let me take a sip of this. Take some sip of that. I like this. Yeah. Murder your thirst. Got it. All right, so you look at the area, and you see what the new houses are bringing. So let's say we're building at 110 a foot due to the fact that the wood has gone up and the trusses are hard to find, so whatever. So if you're selling at $110 a foot and you build a 2,500-square-foot house, right? So, so the cost to build a new house is about 110 a foot. Right, plus okay. your impact fees, the price of the dirt. Right. So you got to work backwards. So let's say that – let's just use round numbers again. Let's say the house is selling for 300 a foot okay. and you build 2,000 square feet. Okay. So you already know your retail number is $600,000. Okay. So you're probably going to have to back out about – Eight percent, because you got to pay when you sell it. Real estate commissions and closing costs. Got it. All right. So you're going to net ninety two percent of your sale price. Okay. Okay. So let's say ninety two percent of six hundred. Let me see. It's five forty plus. That's like five hundred fifty to two thousand. So you're going to net five fifty on that sale, right? And if it's two thousand square feet and it costs you two and a quarter to build it, so now you got three hundred twenty five in between profit and dirt hmm. and all fees. Okay. So if you could buy that dirt for $150,000 at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you're going to make about $150,000 on that deal. and But that's including if you're paying cash for everything. You're not using anybody else's money. No no, no financing or anything. Right, no financing. Wow, but that's a lot. Of, that, take, that takes a long time, though. That's like a long time. Well, no, you're looking at about six months. But remember, if you got- Six f- months to build a house? Probably like three to four months. But let's say you got 20 or 30 wow. of those going at one shot. Holy So fuck. now every week you're cashing a check. And then you buy dirt. Like, we make money by buying large parcels of dirt and knowing the future land use and doing a PD, which is a plan development, and getting the plans ready. So we take that and we sell it to the builders 
So like I have a property I bought for $250,000 and it's costing me like $50,000 to get it to where it needs to be plan development for 60 units. So I'm going to be in that property for like 300,000 and I'm going to list it for 1.8 million. So once I sell it, let's say I take one five after fees, I net one three, I'll make a million dollars on that asset with $300,000 out of pocket. Because I happen to get the dirt cheap enough, and I know the zoning, and I know what I can do with it. So obviously, knowledge is always supreme. So you have to know what you're doing before you do it. And when you're selling that piece of property, you're selling the dirt, and you're selling, there's already permits in place to build. You're selling selling what it's going to be. And you're going to sell that to a guy who does build and sells, because he's going to take a 1031 exchange, which is basically... He's going to use the proceeds from his last sale to do the same thing over and over again. This way, he doesn't have to pay the government high taxes. So basically, they're they're buying a piece of property, turnkey, ready to be built on. You have the permits, you got the exactly. plans, you got the builder, everything. Right. And because a lot of builders, they don't really have much money, and they use the bank's money. So the time, once going back to our original statement, time is very precious. Yeah. So they're using our asset that we purchased, develop it for them to get ready, so that's how we make a large, substantial hit. Okay. Wow. So do you do any uh, 1031 exchanges? Nah, not really, because I move pretty fast. And I don't mind paying the government, because it's easier for me, and it's just less headaches. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stress to, to yeah, chase that looking, window. And I'm, I'm <clears throat> the kind of guy that I just, I just like a simple life. You know, I, I, you know, sometimes I go crazy, do me, but I just like to have fun and make money. What's your day? Walk me through what your day, what, what's a typical day in the life of Brian Aponte? It depends on the season of the environment we're in. You know, every day's different. You know, with COVID, it's changed a lot than normal times. But let's just say like a day like today. Lately. Yeah, lately. Yeah, so I'll get up at 5.30 in the morning. I'll, listen, I'll put the TV on. I'll watch Squawk Box at 6. I'll leave by 6.20 to go to the gym. I'll hit the gym, talk to my trainer, work out for 45 minutes. Then I'll go to a little restaurant, have a cup of coffee, go home, take a shower. It depends if it's... Because Monday, Wednesday, and Friday I do boxing. But then I take my daughter to school. I have four kids. I have one in middle school. And then I just start hitting the phones nonstop. I, I call the same people 10 to 15 times a day. Force them to act. Because if you let somebody slip, then they're not going to make money for you. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people are content in their lives. Yeah. So whenever you're content is when you're really going to lose. So I try to push the people in my team to do different things. It's like this. What do we got going on? What do we got new? What's closing? What's happening? Okay, search this. What deals do you have? What, what, what new construction projects? What owner finance can we get? What hotel? What motel? What land? What can we buy that makes sense? Then meanwhile, I have another partner that does the baseball cards with me. So I'm on eBay doing the cards. Okay, cool. Let's buy this. Let's try to buy a bunch of these. Let's get these graded. And then, you know, I just look for any opportunity that makes mathematical sense. So you got your partner in the cards. Would you say he's more knowledgeable about what's going on in the card market, like at this specific moment? Well, basically, he's like a retired attorney, and he does like teaches kids this. So yeah, we're kind of like we've been in the business maybe for like thirty five years. Go but ahead. I was gonna say like he he's more of the expert. You're just the guy that's pushing him to like do more deals, make more money. And you're just, well, I think we're both experts because we've both been in the game and I've traveled the nation. I did 35 big shows a year for like 10 years. And I've had a lot of athletes hung out with celebrities, bought and sold big collections. You know, I have a lot of crazy stories too. So the point of the matter is the card game 
to me is more fun than the real estate game because you're picking and choosing. And even though it's rare, it's readily available. When you deal with real estate, it's like you're finding a needle in a haystack because the, 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 it's very limited. What do you mean when you say it, even though it's rare, it's readily available? Because eBay is a dumping ground. A lot of people want to realize profits on stuff that they inherited, purchases of stuff that they had years ago. So they're the black sheep of the business because they're the dumpers. So um, let's say a Michael Jordan rookie in a certain grade is worth whatever dollars. As soon as it goes up in value, you'll see a lot of people just start dumping on eBay because they want to realize the profit. So a guy like me will come and hope they drop, and then I'll start picking, chipping them off, boom, boom, boom. And then when the dumpers are not dumping, then I'll start buying the buy it now to make the values keep going up. Because if I have 100 of one item, and it's five thousand dollars. Then I could create it to jump to ten thousand. Now every single one of my cards is now worth ten thousand each. That's how you make money. Holy so you don't shit. make money in selling; you make money in buying. Bro, have you ever seen that movie with Adam Sandler? It's it's uh, came out a couple years ago where he's uh, I think he's in New York or somewhere, and he's the he's, jewelry guy. The jewelry so, guy. So he deals with Kevin Garnett. And he he has an old yes. Man. I mean, that movie made no sense to me because I used to own jewelry stores and he needed money to pay debt. He had about a hundred thousand. He had about 50,000 grams of gold and gold scraps out. At the time, gold was 2000 an ounce and 10 carat is 41% gold, 14 carats, 58% and 18 is 75%. So he could have took the gold and scrapped it. But I get the, yeah, he was on 47th street in the diamond district, bro. That motherfucker was like a roach, a cockroach running around fucking robbing Peter to pay Paul fucking like, well, yeah, the jewelry game is a strong hustle because the diamonds are the most manipulated item on earth. There's more diamonds than people. Right. But, you know, that's not my expertise, even though I own a lot of diamonds and I own a lot of jewelry. Um, Yeah, it's just the card game is different because... It seems like it's a similar, like, kind of lifestyle, though. It seems like it's a similar mindset. That dude's mindset, his fucking just eat, sleep, and breathe fucking making money and paying people back and fucking trying to rob this guy to pay this guy and eventually he thinks he's going to come out even but he's he's fucking he's just digging his own grave the whole time the problem is he's a compulsive gambler and you know it's just in life like a lot of people like to spend the money before they have it so at the same time they're not really moving forward they're moving backward it's just like in the real estate business any business people are purchasing on what their payment's going to be not what the price is how do you think these furniture store gives 60 months, zero credit, zero interest, no credit, because they're they're banking on the fact that they need this necessity and they're willing to pay that payment. They're just cheap. Right. So it's like when you when you're a shark and you a shark and you swim with guppies, you're always going to make money due to the fact that you see the hidden value in people's necessities. How can you control that? And when you're dealing with sports cards and stuff like that, you're banking on other people's egos. So you look at the guy, you see the ego, and you already know how to play him. <clears throat> see, that's the, you know, you see my point? Yeah. Everybody has a certain need. So the way to make money is just to have a level head and don't worry about anything and just try to figure out your opponent because everybody's your opponent. They're either with you or against you. There's right. really no medium. Right. That's why I only deal with the same amount of people all the time. Because a lot of people I deal with, they, they think they could take advantage of me. And those are my favorite people. Because the only way they think they're going to get me is to do a deal with me. And when they do a deal with me, the odds of me losing are very low. <laughs> so those are the people I like to work with, obviously. Wow. Because 
People are edgy, pussy, fearful, spiteful, hateful. Those are the best people to do deals with. Really? Of course, if they hate you, that means you love them. If somebody hated you, you should love them because they're jealous or they have something against you. Right. And if they're going to take time out of their life, their most precious asset, to have a negative thought of you, you must be in the back of their mind somewhere. Right. So in their storage, in their mental capacity, you're sitting there. See, me, I don't really hate anybody. Even if you screwed me, I still love you. Because it doesn't make sense because the, the, the little thing you got from me, I'm going to get it back. Then at the same time, I got that hidden story on you for life. Mm. You know, I like to collect stories more than I like to collect anything else. Yeah. Well, the, the businesses that you're in, they must be, you must have a fucking plethora of stories. Yeah, definitely. We're going to get into that another day. You know, um, I just wanted to come and check you out, see what, you know, what we're about, talk about the game. Yeah. I mean, keeping it real estate is a good game. You know, real estate is the key to everything. Yeah. Cause go ahead. What was that? Can you tell me about that story your cousin was telling me? What was your cousin telling me? You guys were somewhere in, in uh, Jersey. Yeah, so basically, like I told you, we used to do the card hustle. You know what I mean? The baseball yeah. guy. He was a bail bondsman. So one day we were at the national convention in Atlantic <clears throat> City. And, you know, we were a little tipsy. And I, I hadn't seen him in about a year. So I seen him. And, we, you know, we're at, I'm, I'm playing craps, roulette, whatever. Yeah. Just having a good time. Right. And I hear his voice. And, you know, we're screaming, blah, having fun. And he's like, oh, Brian, what's up? Mm-hmm. It was my cousin Toby. I hadn't seen him in a while, Toby. So yeah. I think we had like four G's left combined. We we took that house down to about $300,000. You know, the pumpkins or the 2,500 chips, and we had all the chips. And then Tito Ortiz, the the MMA guy, remember back in the day? Yeah, of course. He was there, and I'm like, Tito, black or red. Every time he'd give me a color, I'd lose. And what? You know, we were buying, yeah, it was funny. We were <laughs> buying shots for everybody. You know what I mean? It was a lot more wild, a lot more vulgar, worse yeah. language. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, I think we hit him for about 60000 but, you know, it was just fun. But there's thousands of those stories. You have thousands of those stories. That's fucking but, wild. But, you know, that's the, that's the byproduct of dealing with liquor, money, and people with a lot of adrenaline. Yeah. And a lot of craziness. Egos flying everywhere. Yeah, that's... Clashing. Yeah, it's cool. You know... It's fucking the, if, crazy. If you... If anybody out there who doesn't know anything about what I'm talking about, just study the game. Because the game... Of the, of the real estate. Because, you know, you look at a realtor, okay, cool, Zillow, blah, blah, blah. That's the that's the afterthought of, of all the dedication and work that goes to that little sale. Mm. You know, I bought properties that I went in there that had <clears throat> so many code enforcement violations. Like, well, how could I even deal with this? Right. But the, the more problems, the more money. The worse the problem, the more money you make. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What do you say? What do you say to somebody who is like small time wants to get in the real estate game right now? Maybe they they have enough they have enough credit and and capital to maybe get a down payment on like a one single family home, yeah. right? And and they want to get started in all this. What do they do? So basically, you know, I, I you know I hear a lot of like um, credit has more value than money and blah blah blah. <clears throat> I mean that's true to a certain extent, but in reality it doesn't because. Once again, if you're not going to dwell 51% of the of your asset that you're going to purchase, the bank is going to have a difficult time selling you the asset. Or excuse me. Wait, explain lend- that again. If you're not going to do what? So basically, banks lend money to people who are going to live in the asset. If it's commercial property, you're yes. going to use at least 51%. Okay. So that's, you know, with limited down payment, 3%, 5 10 Like 20%. an FHA loan, yeah. FHA <clears throat> conventional with small down payments. But what I would tell anybody that, that just that type of person... Look, just try to find an area, do the comparables, 
You know what I mean? Look at sales. Try to find something that is not that big that you can add square footage later on because it's cheaper to add square footage than to buy a big house. Because mm. let me give you an example. Let's say you buy a two-bedroom, one-bedroom, two-bedroom, one-bath house, a 1,000 square feet in an area that's bringing 350 a foot, right? Okay. And you buy the house. You could always build an addition for a hundred dollars, hundred twenty dollars a foot. Right. So now you tripled, doubled to tripled your money on the added square footage you're doing. So then you could resell that house and make more money, or you could uh, get a second line of credit, HELOC, or then you know then you could use that money to go make money. So there's very. That's what I would do if I had limited capital. Yeah. I would try to get a house that's very small in a good neighborhood. Okay. Then what I would do is I'd get a, a GC to get plans to build a square footage, added square footage, then build the added square footage. Now my house is worth more money, and I'd immediately sell it. I wouldn't wow. get it. Me, I wouldn't get a HELOC anything. I would take the money, then I'd stay in the same neighborhood by renting a house, take the money, and go buying some jalopies in worse neighborhoods and just keep reflipping them. So you would keep doing that same thing, just adding, buying them, buying decent houses and or decent or bad houses in good neighborhoods, adding yes. square footage. Mm-hmm. I've done that many times. You know what? I heard. I was just watching this video. This dude bought a fucking uh, like a mansion in California, okay. and he said what the realtors are doing now in California, like specifically Beverly Beverly Hills area, is they're building these fucking like pool cabanas out of block, and they're okay. counting them, and the, and they're literally counting them as square footage. Like, so even if it's like a, a couple hundred square feet, like right. a, like a pool house out back. Yeah. Well, think about it. If you have a, uh, if you have a carport that's 250 square feet yeah, and it costs you $30,000 to encapsulate that with heated square footage and it's 250 square feet and it goes for 300 a foot, that 25 turned into 75. So your cash on cash investment tripled. Right. But can you just do it yourself? Do you have to fucking go get out and get permits and, and do all yeah, that stuff? Yeah, well, you have to book? have everything permitted. Otherwise, it's not going to be on the tax record as oh, legal square fuck. footage. Okay. And then when you go to sell it, you don't want any problems. See, like taking shortcuts is the worst thing you can do. Really? Of course. Anytime you try to do something that's not 100% legit, you're going to get busted. And then that's just going to cost you time, energy, and money. Mm. Do it right the first time and you'll never look back. Never screw anybody over. You never have to sleep bad. You never have to look over your back. Always have to be a man of your word because in reality, what else do you really have? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because business is a way of life. You know, a lot of people talk to me, hey, Brian, how do I get in this part-time? I said, look, to be honest with you, real estate is not a job. It's not a profession. It's basically a lifestyle. Yeah. You constantly have to be thinking. When I go on vacation, I try to buy places where I go. Oh, maybe I could buy this here, Airbnb it or something. Yeah. You know, you always constantly have to be on a mental grind. I love what you said to me, your way of your way of looking at bullies. Yeah, you got to pimp the bullies, brother. You know why? Because you think pimp about, the bullies. Yeah, let me tell you what That's I mean. That's fucking by that. dope. Let me tell you what I mean by it. Let's say you buy a car lot and you got this guy's a salesman and he's pushing fifty cars a month at Honda. I'm like, how much you making a buck fifty car? You making seventy five hundred? How about I pay you twenty thousand? Because you want somebody who's going to work for you. Even if they steal from you, even if you make a profit, it's irrelevant because you have to have the best people to do the job for you. Why do you need three people when you could have one? So you bring the best that you can do and just overpay them because when you overpay them, because everybody has a worth and if, if you underpaying them, they're going to rob you. If you're paying them more than what they're worth, they're going to work harder for you. 
And when you talk to them and pick up their phone call every time, you never miss a meeting, you're there, then they're your family. Yeah. So basically all you did was capture the best team. And everybody, and when you have a good team, you never lose. Because you're only as weak as your weakest link. My goal is always to be the weakest link. In everything I do, I always want to be the weakest link. You mean, when you say that, you mean you're surrounded by people who are... Stronger, smarter. Right. Richer. Right. Because think about it logically. If you're the smartest, best guy in that room, you're definitely in the wrong room. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But what about when you're doing business, when you're like getting ready to do business with a dude? Or like trying to, he's trying to buy something from you, or you're trying to buy something from him. It depends. If it's it's a one-time deal, it's irrelevant. If it's a multiple-time deal, it's different. But at the same time, I try to treat people the same way. See, a lot of people try to disrespect me, so I just reciprocate the same thing. Because the way I look at it, if you're going to challenge or hate me, like I told you before, I'm going to make more money on you. Right. Because if you hate me, you're definitely going to want to do a deal with me. Yeah. And that's what you mean by pimp the bullies. No, what I mean by pimping the bullies is this. Like I just said, have right, right. the when best guy on your team. When they're working for you, but I'm saying... But what nobody about- works for me. I always have partners. I don't have any employees. I don't believe in... Employees are the biggest liability on earth. You have to have partners. It's better to have a partner than an employee. Right. I see what you're saying there. But <clears throat> my question to you is when you're dealing with a bully that's trying to... You're trying to do a deal with them. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to, they're trying to fucking... Uh, you know, hassle you. They're trying to hardball you, you know, lowball you. So you have to switch it up on them. You know what I mean? It's like this. Like, let me give you an example. Give, give me an example of what you're talking about. I'll tell you how to switch it up. You're trying to sell a house for... Okay, look, I got this house. I need 300000 300000 mm-hmm. Eh, that house ain't that fucking great. I'll give you... Uh, I'll give you I'll give you two hundred cash and I'll so close I'll, clo- I'll close tomorrow. No problem. It's only cash and it's going to close immediately. Otherwise, you're not even talking to me. But here's the thing: you only want to pay two hundred. I got a better idea. Do you have any similar ones? I'll pay you two fifty and I'll close today. Wait, what? Okay. So if you're willing to pay me two, <laughs> what? I'm trying to buy your house. I know exactly. That's my point. If you want to pay two hundred and close tomorrow, how about I buy yours for two fifty and close today? So if I'm buying at two fifty, how am I selling at two hundred? So you switch it up on them. Yeah. You, get, you feeling me now? Yeah. So okay. you want to pay me two hundred? I'll pay you two fifty. So right then and there, they already know they can't dig in my head because I already know what I got. See, you. see my point? Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's like a psychological game you're playing with them. Yeah, you know, mind games are easy to play because that's the only thing I play. But at the same yeah. time, <laughs> it's like this. It's either you're going to chill with me or you're going to be real with me or you're not going to deal with me. Right. So it's like, look, this is 300 It's either you buy it or you don't. Right. I mean, if you come in at 290 and I can't redump it, maybe I'll sell it to you. Right. Because I'm not really stressing it. Because right. I'm already going to give you the best number. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you 300, and I already know I want 250. I'm gonna hit you with the bottom line immediately. Otherwise, I'm not doing it. Because okay. I'm not trying to get extra bread. Because I prefer for my person that buys from me to make more money than me. Because this time they want to keep coming back. Right, 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 right. I've heard that. I've heard that before. That's you're, just the you're way busy, it is. man. Your phone's blowing up. Yeah, I got about forty missed calls. But the, <laughs> but the point, the point is, in any business, in any walk of life, you always want to treat your the person you're working with better than you. Yeah. You always want to be on top of the game, and you always want to have the best team around you. And you only want to do things that you can handle. Because once you start trying to jump rope that you can't jump, then you're gonna make promises that you can't keep, and then your word is shit, and then nobody wants to deal with you anymore. Right. So you have to be able to produce. You have to be able to figure. <laughs> things out and at the, the bottom bottom line is you have to keep what you say 
Because if you don't, you're going to get stuck. Hmm. That's strong, man. That's super strong. Well, thanks for doing this, yeah, bro. No, I know you're day, busy brother. as fuck. Yeah. You know, I really you're appreciate it. You're still blowing it. up. <laughs> yeah, I got to take these calls, bro. No worries. No, take them, man. Pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Oh, always.